Zechariah chapter 12 and John chapter 19. As we've been studying this book of Zechariah, really the heartbeat behind it is that God has a plan for Israel and that plan will be accomplished. And what's fun is the way that this passage ties in with our Christmas season. So as we dive into this, I want to go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to speak to us through his word. And here's what I want you to do today. How many of you, you're a little tired today? You got a little bit, little bit tired? I stayed up until 1 o'clock watching the President's Cup, and we won America. All right, so that, that, was, that was good. So I, I'm a little tired too. I'll try not to fall asleep during my own sermon. But here's, here's what I, I'm, I'm going to ask you all to do. This is an amazing passage of Scripture that we're studying. And we're going to see how it ties in just in a supernatural way with other things. So let's, let's ask God to help us as a part of our worship to focus on his word today. Because what we're going to talk about today will affect what we do out there. When we go outside these walls and as we interact with people in this Christmas season, what we look at today will really have, it should have a profound influence on how we interact with people. So let's go to the Lord and ask him to help us to learn some things today. Lord, please, as we study your word, reveal some things through your Holy Spirit, through your word. Lord, people have so many things going on in their lives. Lord, I pray that we can set some of those things aside for now and focus on your word. Help us. Help me to deliver this well and help your people to receive it well. In Jesus' name, amen. Zechariah chapter 12 and look at verse 10. The Bible says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Now, we looked at this text last week, but there's more to cover. And what I want you to see again in the middle of the verse, it says, And they shall look upon me, and they shall look upon me. If you remember when the children of Israel had sinned and God sent the serpents into the camp, he had them make a, a, a serpent of brass and lift it up on a pole. And if they were bit by, bitten by one of these serpents, all they had to do was look at the brazen serpent and live. And it says, look and live. And we all know that song, look and live, look unto Jesus now and live. And today it's the same thing. We need to look to Jesus Christ in order to have eternal life. We come to Jesus and Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life. But what's interesting about this text, it says, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And the result of this is mourning. It is mourning. Go to John chapter 19. John chapter 19 is one of the accounts in the Gospels of Jesus Christ on the cross. Look at verse 34. I'm sorry, verse 32. 
Then came, so John chapter 19 and verse 32. Oh, and if you don't have a Bible with you, look under the chair in front of you, uh, near you there. There should be a Bible there for you. John chapter 19 and verse 32. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. So as we look at the cross up here and as Jesus Christ was nailed to that cross, they would, the, when they would hang and the pain would cause them to sag and they couldn't breathe. So they would push up on their legs so that they could take a breath. And one of the marks, one of the acts of mercy that Rome would do was after a period of time, they would come and break the legs of those that were hanging on the cross so that they could no longer push up and they could not breathe and they would suffocate. That was their mercy. But notice what it says in verse 32. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. Can I just pause for a second? The song that Melody just sang, Be Born in Me, that's Mary singing. And the, Can you imagine, Lord willing, next week I'm going to speak on that subject. And so folks come to church at a time, at a Christmas time like this, and it might seem odd to be looking at the cross of Christ at Christmas time. But it's why he came. And so look at the next verse, verse 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. And of course, that's the fulfillment of Scripture, isn't it? None of his bones would be broken. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, this is John, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true. Look at these next words. That ye might believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. Now, can I ask you a question? Do you think the Roman soldier was trying to fulfill the scriptures? Verse 37, and again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. They shall look on him whom they pierced. And as those people had surrounded the cross and they looked up at him whom they had pierced, there was no remorse. They didn't care. They mocked him. They spat at him. They did not believe that he was their Messiah they did not believe that he was God. But they will. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Look upon me. They shall look upon me, it says in Zechariah. Look at. Matthew chapter 24. Look at verse 21. Of course, this is a familiar passage for us. This is the Olivet Discourse. Jesus Christ is explaining to his disciples what, is, what the end of the world is going to look like. And so look at verse 21. And really look at every word of this. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened... 
There should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets. And notice what it says. Look at what it says. And shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. So look here. It's important that you see this. So here soon, and it could happen today, Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds and people will not see him, but we will be raptured out. Every saved person, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, you are going to be taken up into the air to meet the Lord and to be with him forever. Isn't that exciting? The Bible says, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And then there's going to be tribulation on this earth. Seven years of horrible punishment and tribulation on the earth. And there are, going to people, there are going to be people who arise. Remember, this passage is going to have very special meaning to people during the tribulation because it's describing what the world is going to be like. Jesus is telling them. So if, imagine that the Lord has raptured the believers out of the world. And now, just somehow, a person has come to hear the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and believes and believes. Well, people are going to start hearing, hey, Christ is actually here. He's here. And they're going to look for him out in the wilderness, or they'll look for him in a dark room. And this, these Christs, these people who claim to be Christ, they're going to have amazing power. Can you imagine if I could do miracles right here? Remember, Herod wanted to hear John. It says, and Herod heard him gladly. And what did he want John to do? Some kind of miracle. He wanted it to be like a carnival to see something happen. And these Christs will have the power of Satan and they will be able to do signs and wonders. But Jesus says, that's not me. That's not me. So how are people going to know when it's actually Christ? How are they going to know that it's him? Look at our text. Matthew 24. Look at verse 26. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Now look at this, verse 27. Now let's, let's. The Bible says in Zechariah that the whole world is going to see Jesus when he returns. How is that going to happen? Notice what it says in verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east. And I've read that passage over and over and over again, many, many, many times, maybe hundreds of times. And I always thought of it as thunder and lightning. No, that, that doesn't only happen in the east. Lightning doesn't come out of the east. Lightning does. What is it happening in the east when the light comes? The sun is coming up. Verse 27, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Wait, so the sun rises. Now, how many of you know that the sun rises? How many of you know that? How do you know that? You can see it. 
you can feel it, that sun rising. Now, how is that a sign? Look at what the Bible says, Matthew 24 again. Verse 28, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. And so this is, the Bible describes just the judgment that comes and the death. But look at verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, you remember what it says in verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation, last seven years. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, look at what it says. Shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. So how is it that people are going to see this Messiah? How are they going to see him? How are they going to know that it's him? Because the sun has stopped shining. Can you imagine what that will be like? Complete, absolute darkness. Well, you'll just turn on a light. No, the entire grid, the entire electrical grid has been destroyed through the earthquakes. The world is in complete and utter darkness. There's disease. More than half of the world has been killed. Then, look at what the Bible says. Verse 30, then shall, what's that next word? Appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth, what's that next word? And they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect, that's Israel, the Jews, from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. Hold your place here. Go back to Zechariah chapter 12. Verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David... And upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. Supplications, that's praying for supply. And they're going to need supply because there isn't anything. There's no food. The water's all destroyed. There's no power. They're going to need supply. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall... Look upon me, whom they have pierced, and shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. The whole world sees him. Go back to Matthew 24, verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. He's coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. It's complete darkness. And now Jesus Christ appears. And what does he look like when he appears? Go to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. 
and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Every time the sun comes up, it's a sermon. That's Jesus Christ is coming back. Every time the sun comes up, it's a sermon. Jesus Christ is coming back. Every time that sun goes down, it tells you there's an end to his offer of mercy. There's a sermon. Jesus Christ is going to rise from the dead. There's an end. And that end is absolute darkness. Look at what it says. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Can I tell you? Everywhere on earth the sun comes up, and everywhere on earth the sun goes down. You say, well, at certain times of the year, the sun does not set in certain parts of the globe. How many of you think those people know that the sun rises and sets? How many of you think they know that? Verse 4. And I say that because after church, someone would come up to me and say, you know, pastor, there are places where the sun does not rise. And they always do that. Verse 4. Their line is gone out through where? All the earth. Their line. What is their line? And their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set, look at this, a tabernacle for the son, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Let me just tell you something. When the darkness has fallen on the earth because the sun doesn't give its light and the moon has nothing to reflect and the stars are falling from heaven, when that sun of righteousness rises with healing in his wings, the whole world is going to see it. Everyone will see that sun of righteousness. And remember, when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he was the fulfillment of of those Jewish feasts. Remember, he died on Passover, and the Bible says he is our Passover. He was in the grave during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and he was separated from the Father for us. Uh, that next feast is the Feast of First Fruits, and Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits, and the Bible tells us that he is the first fruits of the resurrection. The next feast is the Feast of Pentecost, and Jesus Christ sent us the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, on the Feast of Pentecost. The next feast is the Feast of Trumpets. That Feast of Trumpets is when Jesus Christ returns to the earth and establishes his kingdom. The next feast is the, the Day of Atonement, the day of the national salvation of Israel. The last of the feasts is the Feast of Tabernacles. And what does God do? Jesus Christ tabernacles with his people on the earth for a thousand years. He lives with them. He dwells with them. And here in Psalm chapter 19, he's made a tabernacle for the sun. And Jesus Christ is going to come out of that tabernacle and come to the earth and tabernacle with us and dwell with us. Why? Because the Bible says that he is Emmanuel, God with us. You see, so interesting. When Jesus Christ returns, it's going to be a time of complete darkness. Literal, 
physical darkness. And he's going to rise. He's coming back, folks. And when he comes back, all the world will see him. And they're going to look unto me whom they have pierced, God says. And they're going to mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And I want you to see something very interesting. Go with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And look at verse 76. So if you remember, Jesus Christ, the angel comes to Mary and tells Mary that she's going to have a child of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, I'm sorry, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they couldn't have a child. And God supernaturally intervened and she had John the Baptist. And remember, she's with, so Elizabeth is with child and Mary comes to see her and Mary or Elizabeth says, wherefore is the mother of my Lord? Come unto me. This is before she was even showing that she was expecting, but God had revealed to her. And of course, the babe John leapt in her womb when he was born or when, when he was near Jesus. And if you remember, Zechariah didn't have enough faith to believe what was going to happen. And so he couldn't talk. When the baby was born, when John was born, he, Zacharias could now speak after he said, call his name John. Verse 67, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. Drop down to verse 76. And this is about John the Baptist. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. That's one of the names of Christ. Why did he come? Verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Look at chapter 2 and verse 28. Remember the old priest Simeon got to see Jesus. And look at what he said in verse 28. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now, did he get to see, listen, did he get to see the restoration of Israel? No. Did he get to see the kingdom on the earth? No. What did he get to see? Jesus. Look, they shall look unto me, Zechariah says. Look at verse 31. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Now look at what it says in verse 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. A light to lighten the Gentiles. Go to John chapter 1. When Jesus Christ returns, it will be a time of complete and utter darkness. Look at John chapter 1. And look at verse 6. You know what? Look at verse 3. All things were made by him. That's talking about Jesus. 
And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the what? The light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Look at Revelation chapter 1. Y'all have any idea where I'm going? Revelation chapter 1. Verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds. Look at what it says. And every eye shall see him. The Bible says he lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he tasted death for every man. The Bible says in the book of Titus that the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The grace of God has appeared to all men. Revelation 1.7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindred of the earth, look at, shall wail because of him. Shall wail because of him. Now, I want you to think of something. There in Revelation chapter 1, and if you tie it together with Zechariah chapter 12, there are two responses to the return of Christ. The return of Christ to the earth where every eye sees him. Why does every eye see him? Because he is the light. Everybody sees him. The whole world. Two responses. The response of the Gentiles, the response of those who have followed the Antichrist during the tribulation period is to wail. And they cry into the rocks and the mountains and say, fall on us and hide us from the face of the Lamb and from him that sit from the wrath of the Lamb and from him that sitteth on the throne. They're gonna, they want to hide from him. They cry to the rocks and the mountains. They want to run away from him. They wail. Why? Because it's their end for eternity. There's another response. And it's not wailing, it's mourning. You really were the Messiah. You really are the hope of Israel. And we killed you. We pierced you. Two responses. Look at Revelation chapter 19. This is what they're seeing. Look in verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written 
that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him, and upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it... He should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Look at this. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great feast, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I want you to see something. That angel standing in the sun. Remember, the sun doesn't give its light. What is he doing? He's coming before Jesus. And in the brightness of the sun that is Jesus... You can see the outline of this angel pronouncing judgment on the earth. Go to Malachi chapter 4. Last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. Look at verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. I love this. Look at verse 2. But... Unto you that fear my name shall the... Do you see that? S-U-N. Shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in His wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as the calves of the stall. But look at what it says. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts." Look at verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, here's what's going to happen. Jesus Christ is coming back. And he tells Israel, I'm going to rise. The son of righteousness is going to rise. Remember, they're going to mourn for him. They're going to turn to him. He's rising with healing in his wings for them. But to all those that rejected him, they're going to be ashes under our feet. What's so fun, in the book of Acts, it says that this, when Jesus Christ returns, it's the great and notable day of our God. See, for those who have rejected him in Malachi, it's terrible. For us, it's notable It's so amazing that God says he's going to send Elijah. Look at Matthew chapter 11.
Look at verse 10. Matthew 11 and verse 10. For it is written, for, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. So do you see how this is a commentary on Malachi? Look at what it says. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Look at verse 13. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So John's the last of the Old Testament prophets. Look at verse 14. And what's that next word? Everyone, what is that word? And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. If Israel had, had accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah, John would have been that Elias. He would have been that forerunner. But what did they do? They killed John. And they killed Jesus. So before the death of Christ, he's on the Mount of Transfiguration and he's speaking with Moses and Elijah, talking about the death that he would accomplish. And what is God going to do? He's going to bring Elijah back to the earth and he's going to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ comes to the earth, he sets his foot on the Mount of Olives and it splits in two. And he walks into the eastern gate and sits on his throne, the throne of David in Jerusalem. Elijah is going to come right before him. And as he comes, what is he going to do? What is Jesus Christ going to do? He's going to restore the light because it's all darkness. You see, after Malachi, do you know what happened? 400 years of complete darkness, 400 years of complete silence, the darkness that Simeon is talking about, the darkness that Zechariah is talking about. That is the darkness of there is no vision from God. God's people are in complete and utter darkness. The world is lying in darkness and the light of the world entered into that world. And his name is Jesus. Remember, the shepherds followed the star to the place where they had laid him, and they got to see Jesus. And there was this heavenly host that surrounded, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to men. Jesus Christ offered that peace. He says, Look unto me. How many of you think it would be better to look unto him now than when he returns? See, the Bible makes it very clear. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. You know, you might be here today and you might be a religious person. You believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. But you've never trusted Jesus Christ alone. You think that you need to cooperate with him, that your good works contribute to your eternal life. If your good works could do it, then Jesus Christ died in vain. That's what the Bible says. He died in vain. It was a waste it wasn't a waste. That baby that was born in the manger, born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life on this earth. He was nailed to that awful rugged cross and he died. Then he was buried. Three days later, he rose to prove that he was, is, and always will be God. And he did that for you. He did it for me. And if you're trusting anything other than that, do you know what you're going to see? 
the judgment and wrath of God, and you deserve it. We all do. How many of you are glad that he came as the baby and not as the judge? He's coming back. He's not in swaddling clothes. He's in a vesture dipped in blood. That's how he's coming back. And people say, I, I, don't know. I don't know if I like that image of Christ. Well, you better get used to it. Because that's who he is. King of kings and Lord of lords. How many of you are glad that he's coming back? See, at Christmas season, we celebrate the joy of the baby. And we celebrate the way that Jesus Christ came. And I'm glad that we do that. But we need to remember that he came to die. And folks, Grace Baptist Church, I'm begging you, tell somebody about it this Christmas. Tell someone. Because just as real, the the reality of his birth, just as real as that is, that's the reality of his second coming. He's coming back. That's what Zechariah 12 is about. Look unto me. Let's look at him as our Savior rather than as our judge. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. You are so gracious to us and good to us. You're the light of the world.